Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and being voiceless. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Um, let's keep this one short, okay? It'd be better for all of us. Um, this week's guest is Dane Roberts. I talked to him a few weeks ago, actually before God's Own, uh, about the uh, ride the length of New Zealand. So, and since uh, Expedition Africa is coming up, Shortly, I thought, better get this one out there for him. So that's it. That's enough, as you can tell. I feel okay. Got no voice. Uh, life sucks. That's who do I got to talk to anyway. So thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, and enjoy the podcast. Bye. Are you there? Yeah, I am. I'm just trying to hey. see you. <laughs> oh, I don't have my – I don't have – camera on all ah, right so, okay so um i have i've said it before i have a I have a face for podcasting <laughs> <laughs> so um good morning yeah good good evening for you i guess no actually it's noon or one o'clock right. p.m sure oh that's so, uh that's a good time for you yeah it works good um <laughs> this this time thing is it's kind of interesting i Fortunately, I found a website that that uh, lets me plan meetings, so I can uh, just go in and put put where you are, put where I'm at, and then figure out a good time. So. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I I had yeah. no idea. I just left it to you to work out what time it was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my uh, that's why I'm the host, I guess. Um, <laughs> it is interesting. It seems like uh, you guys in Australia, and New Zealand, like like uh, doing these early in the morning. I've had a lot of them at six and seven o'clock in the morning with you guys so are you just are you just an early morning person or is everybody an early morning person <laughs> i don't think everybody is i i tend to be although i've been a bit lazy the last two weeks since i got back so um well yeah let's uh we'll start there and then i actually did a little research i you can't see my air quotations but uh <laughs> i have some fun things to talk about so yeah. you just got done during the tour of Oatero, Oatera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it either. It's a, it's okay. a Maori word for uh, New Zealand. Um, yeah, I've been pronouncing it Aotearoa, but I I don't know if that's right either. Yeah. Well, I actually went on YouTube and found a pronunciation, and it's still kind of uh, beyond me. So anyway. <laughs> It's like what is the three thousand kilometer brevet of New Zealand, right? Yeah, that's right. So it um it started at Cape Rango, which is right at the very top of the North Island, and and it went sort of um down to Bluff, which is at the the very bottom of the South Island of New Zealand. So it's basically the length of New Zealand, but um not quite a straight line. I think if you went a straight line, it'd be um a bit shorter than that. But the um course basically was linking up. A whole lot of um, mountain bike trails and rail trails um, with sort of back roads, so it zigzagged its way down a bit. No, it looks kind of interesting. Um, let's see, a friend of a friend of a friend, I think, from the U.S. was there and posted on his blog, and people were commenting, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to have you on." And three or four people that I know here in the U.S. are like, "Oh, that's on my bucket list." So, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, 
It's funny because for for a lot of people here, the uh, tour divides on on our bucket list. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was yeah. a um a good chance to sort of you know do something a bit like that, but much closer to home. Yeah, and it's it's um well, uh, what kind of bike did you use? So um I uh you know when I first decided to do it, which was a pretty late um late decision actually um. You know, I had these dreams of sort of building a, a special bike for it that would be perfect for the event. And um, you know, as it got closer, I um, I ended up just using the bike I have. So <laughs> it wasn't really an ideal bike for it. I think I I used my um, dual suspension Specialized Epic, um, whereas I think um, you know most most people that knew what they were doing over there were on. Um, we're on hardtails or, or fully rigid mountain bikes, actually. So, um, so yeah. But I used what I had. I sort of had some money for a new bike, but then um, I got asked to um, do Expedition Africa in a couple of months, so I used that on a yep. flight instead. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later. So, um, <laughs> okay. so is it is it really a mountain bike course? Not yeah. a, not a gravel grinder thing, but really a mountain bike. Yeah, it was interesting actually. I mean, there were, um, I guess it's one of those things where there was no perfect bike for it. It just depended mm -hmm. on the on the section. I think, um, you know, you certainly couldn't do it on a road bike. But um, yeah. but I saw people over there on, you know, I mean, I rode for a couple of days with this with this um, sort of older, um, super tough Kiwi guy on a on a cyclocross bike um, that that were that he'd that he'd set up single speed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you know, he was, um, he was killing me on the hills, but then when you got to some of the technical descents, you know, I never saw him again after that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, um, I think, how long um, did it take you? So it took me, uh, about 13 days. Um, I think officially it was something like 13 days and three hours. So, um, it was interesting. It was, um. I'd never done this sort of thing before. I mean, I've done some longish rides, but nothing like that. This was, you know, sort of three months of riding for me in two weeks. Um, so I wasn't sure um, whether I was, you know, capable of of completing it. So I, the thing, the sort of things that bookmarked it for me was I had a flight home after 19 days, so I had to finish it in sort of 17 or 18 days, which worked out mm -hmm. at about 175 kilometers a day average. And my sort of best goal I was sort of hoping for, and I guess what my aim was, was 15 days, which is a neat 200 kilometers a day average. Mm -hmm. um, and I had flexible flights home because I was a bit worried I wasn't going to make the distance in the 18 or 19 days. But um, yeah. yeah, I ended up knocking it over in 13 days. So um, I actually you know, used my flexible flights to come home early, which was great. The um the fastest guys out there, um there's a there's a friend of mine from Canberra, Seb Dunn, and there's a um a Kiwi guy he rode with, um, Ollie Whaley, I think his name is. They actually um they knocked it over in, in about nine and a half days, although um there was a minimum requirement that you weren't allowed to finish within ten days because um the guy who organized it was trying to not sort of have it as a as a race and people going out there riding like crazy so uh, i mean you know some people i guess still were trying to finish it as quickly as they could and those guys actually 
you know, they're amazing and they, they were knocking over more than 300 Ks a day and I, I believe they sat around at the finish line for a little bit of time until the 10th day ticked over and then walked across the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. Um, well, I read in reading about the race that there's like a six-hour, mandatory six-hour dark zone each day. Yeah, so I guess, and that was one of the reasons I did it. To be honest, I um, mm-hmm. I really liked the idea that you had to stop for a six-hour block every twenty-four hour period. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know that's a nice change from expedition adventure racing. Um, so I was um pretty excited by by the fact that I'd get to sleep every night. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the sleep for sure. I I tended to ride, I guess, um. Till about, uh, I mean, until I got sick of riding, basically. But typically, I'd I'd ride until about eleven o'clock at night, and then set up my tent somewhere and and sleep through till um, maybe for six six hours and get riding again. Um, you know, by about six a.m. So maybe a seven hour break, I guess, on average. And then the rest of that time, then I'd either be riding or um, stopped at a cafe. I treated it a bit like a cafe tour of New Zealand, I think. So. I um I stopped at you know many many cafes through the length of New Zealand. Well, yeah, that's that actually is my next question is where was the best breakfast you ate? Because <laughs> I was following the uh, the post, so I saw some really good looking breakfast. Yeah, I did have some good breakfast. I it was a tough call, but I I called the best breakfast I ate was in Greymouth, I think. Um, at a place called Maggie's Kitchen, I really enjoyed it there. I had a, um, I had a broken spoke. I'd been riding on for about two hundred kilometres um, rear spoke until I could get to a town where there was a bike shop that could replace it, um, and that happened in Greymouth. So maybe that influenced it as well because I was actually able to, um, you know, sort of take a little bit longer at that breakfast than I was at some other places. But um, it was a good breakfast, and it was that was actually one of the the funnier places where they. Um, they set my table up for two people because they they thought the amount of food I'd ordered must have been for two people. So <laughs> one of the things I was really enjoying on the ride was um was yeah you know getting to eat these ridiculously large breakfasts <laughs> that I somehow would be able to get down. Yeah, I uh, actually had many 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 years ago had the same same thing. We did a all night training ride, you know like 300k through the night came back and went for breakfast and i ordered and the gal walked away and my buddy's like wait wait i want to order too <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing well, better that than place, that. she i remember the lady there asked me was i having the pancakes and i sort of you know said yeah and i was on my phone and um yeah and then she started sort of she said oh so she started setting the table up for two people and um said oh so your friend's having the bacon and eggs and <laughs> I said, no, no, it's all me <laughs> and the thick shake and the coffee and the juice. <laughs> and you don't have to feel guilty. Isn't that great? Well, I mean, I I weighed myself when I got home, actually, because everyone was telling me I looked skinny. And, yeah, I mean, I dropped um, five kilos in the ride and I was eating so much food. So it was pretty um pretty amazing the amount of calories you burn doing that sort of thing despite what you're eating. Yeah, that's neat. Um, it, how hard was it? I mean, is it fairly easy to follow the course or 
the you know GPS tracks or did you have to navigate? Yeah, there were there were two. I guess um, I saw one person with a map board on their bike, so I guess there mm-hmm. was at least one person in it um, navigating with with maps. I would assume. Um, but I basically, I mean, I took a lot of advice from Seb who, um, you know, had done the tour divide and, and is really good at this stuff and knows what he's doing. And his advice to me was, um, to get myself a, um, you know, a a Garmin e-trex basically, which is what he uses, um, because they'd put some GPX, they'd made some GPX files available. So, um, I got the Garmin and, and ran ran the gpx file so it was just for me it was just a matter of um following the pink line basically and um that worked really well i mean i was pretty disorganized with um getting ready for it so i only um i was only able to actually find the mount for the garmin the day before i left so that was um pretty good timing because i was i'd resigned myself to um having to sort of create a mat create a mount for my bike out of you know velcro and um gaffer tape (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I got them out, which was you know very convenient, and I was able to just follow the pink line. And particularly when you were going through um, some of the more urban areas, like when you were going through Auckland, it would have been very hard, I think, um, to navigate a GPX route to follow because you know there were spots where it would look like you were just meant to follow a road, but then you'd zoom right in and realise there was a little bike path off to the side that you were meant to go on. Um, there was a guy that also um, spent a lot of time creating cue sheets, which he made available to people. Um, so a lot of people that – most people that didn't have a Garmin or something to follow just used the cue sheets. Um, but I think, I mean, that would have been a lot harder to navigate that way, I think. So, yeah, there wasn't really much skill in the navigating. For me, it was literally just following the pink line, which was nice. Yeah. So I guess um, for – people that are listening and thinking about that it it sounds like it is something that somebody from the u.s can fly in get there and go and and yeah really I, ha- or you have problems absolutely um i i mean you know i i don't know new zealand very well and that was a big part of the reason that i um that i went in the event to see a lot more of new zealand um new zealand's really close to australia it's only it's only about a three-hour flight um, from the east coast of Australia to New Zealand, so it's actually um, quicker and cheaper to fly there than it is to a lot of places in within Australia. Um, but for some reason, I really hadn't spent much time in New Zealand before, and mm-hmm. I went over there with my partner Kath a couple of times last year, and um, you know, sort of realised how great a place it was, and and um, I knew about the tour Aotearoa that um, a few of my friends were doing, and it was sort of. Um, those were the reasons why I decided, yeah, I should see if I can get onto this event as well and see a lot more of this country. So, um, yeah, I think anyone really could head over there and, and ride it for sure. Interesting. And it's it's a big event, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of people. Yeah, there was, well, I guess it's all relative. Um, hmm. It was because, I mean, it was kind of this one was run as with the intention of being a one-off event. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether, whether I, I feel like it'll probably happen again, um, yeah. because it was pretty, pretty popular and, um, I'm not sure if the same, same guy will be responsible for running it next time, but I'd be surprised if someone else doesn't organize it because I mean, the route is always there. So, yeah. so it's not like they need to create a new route every year or anything like that. Um, there were roughly, 
initially when um, when he planned it. So Jonathan Kennett planned it, um, and um, he he spent about two years um, organising it, I believe. Um, and initially, it was open to just a hundred riders, but then it was pretty popular. So he ended up creating two more start waves. So I I guess. In total, there were about 300 riders that were meant to compete in it. But as it got closer to the event, um, quite a few people dropped out for various reasons. You know, they they were injured or work commitments, I guess, or those sort of things. Um, so I think by the time it started, there was maybe 200 to 250 people that had ended. Um, That's pretty pretty amazing, though. Yeah, and I was reading the other day um, of those people um, – something like 90% actually completed the route within the 30-day limit. So that's pretty impressive, I think. I, um, you know, it was, it was a long way to cycle, and I would have expected probably a bit larger dropout rate than that. So, yeah, well done to everyone, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think events like that don't, uh, don't appeal to people that can't finish them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, you've got to be. Um, it's a bit like it's a bit like the expedition adventure racing. I think it attracts a um, certain sort of um, niche, you know, strange sort of person who who mm-hmm. you know goes, oh yeah, three thousand kilometers, I can do that. <laughs> well, quite honestly, you looked at you looked at that, and that's exactly what you thought, right? And whereas most normal people are like, I can't drive my car that far. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and that's that's what a few people have said to me actually when I've said oh you know it was thirteen days so I think my overall average was something like two hundred and thirty kilometers a day and um, yeah a lot of people have said gee I you know wouldn't even want to drive my car that far every day yeah. for that long yeah <laughs> um, I mean I wasn't sure whether I could complete it or not so part yeah. of going in it for me as well was to see whether I was actually capable of cycling that sort of distance in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd get injured or what my body was going to do. But um, you sort of get into the groove of it and your body adapts to it and, and you just keep riding and make sure you keep eating. Yeah. So do you feel like your body has, like, come out of that even stronger? Um, <laughs> may, I, I, I think, actually, I, I wish... That were the case. I think I had a few mm. knee issues, so I mean, yeah. I, you know, I I was. It would have been nice to come home and have just felt, you know, really really strong, and um, you know, go out and see what times I could do on some of the hills around home now with three thousand yeah. k's in my legs. But mm. um, I had a, a bit of knee issue during it, I guess. So um, I was able to get through the ride, but um, since I've come home, I've actually just taken it easy. Um, particularly on the bike to let the the knee heal, but um, you know, presumably my riding's still um, okay. I'm busy trying to get my hiking and kayaking back up to speed now. Yeah, yeah. So back to back to adventure racing, right? Yeah, that's right. I did a um, a rogaine last weekend with um, Aaron, who's a, a teammate in my adventure racing team, and we do a lot of rogaining together and. Um, He's been doing a lot of running the last few months, whereas obviously for this New Zealand thing, all I was doing was was riding the bike um, to get yeah. ready for it. And um, yeah, you know, I, he um, it was a much harder rogaine for me than it normally is trying to run around <laughs> when my legs are used to the riding. So, 
Um, all right, the here, the here comes the interesting part because I was searching around and realized that your, your, your team, that's Cray at uh, Africa, Expedition Africa, yep. is I've known Pete since 2009 when I met him at, at Primal Quest, and Pete's yep. been on the podcast. And, of course, I met Craig a bunch of times, and I'm always bugging him about races. And yep. Thor actually spent a couple of nights staying with Paulette and I in the Black Hills when she came over for Rogaine World Championships. Yep. So, yeah. So it's like, it's, uh... you're, you're racing with all my family. <laughs> yeah, yep. And um, I didn't really organize this one either, but it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, yeah, so Tor and... Um, and Craig have done a few races in the past together. I think a few twenty-four yep. hours and and you know thirty-six and forty-eights. Um, yeah. So um, they sort of you know plotted the plan to do this race. And um, I know Tor raced in um, Costa Rica with Pete. Um, yep. When the world champs were there a few years ago, and um, so you know she was. I know she's very happy to be racing with Pete again. And they asked me, was I interested in doing the race with them? And um, yeah, I was very keen. It's I think um, the Africa race is one I've always wanted to do, and um, yeah, I know Craig through um, you know obviously because he organises a lot of the races here um, yeah. with GeoQuest and XPD, and yeah. um, I met Pete briefly um, in Ecuador when I met you as well, actually when the World Champs mm-hmm. were there a couple of years ago. So I I do know each of them, but I I guess you know Pete's the one I don't know very well, but. I did listen to his um yeah his podcast with you recently which I really enjoyed and um you know I feel like I already know him a little bit better from that. Oh, well that's interesting. I ne- I kind of never thought about that that yeah you can go st- stalk a new teammate by listening to the podcast. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't see it as stalking but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a pretty mellow guy and he's also in one of my favorite pictures from Ecuador. Oh yeah, and I don't I don't even know who he's talking to, but it's this great big huge bearded guy, and and he's like shaking his finger at Pete, and Pete almost looks like a little little kid being scolded, and I know it's not <laughs> what it is, but um, yeah, I'm doing well, a presentation next month, and that's one of the pictures in the presentation. So, but, oh yeah, great, Pete's, yeah, I remember he I remember he seemed like a really good guy, and. Um, yeah, his Alaska stories on your podcast were great, and um, yeah. you know I liked the I liked the sort of swear words he was dropping through it and that sort of thing. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he's going to be a lot of fun to race with. Yeah, I th- I be my guess from where I whenever I've been around him, I'm always happy. Of course, he tells me <laughs> that I remind him I think of his brother, so I'll, <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. But um, so. How long have you been adventure racing? Um, I guess, so I got into adventure racing, I think it's maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, seven or eight years ago probably. Mm-hmm. Um, started with some sprint races. So um, Tom and, and Alina, who used to race in the AROC team um, back in the Eco Challenge days, I think it was, and they were, you know, they were a very good team. So they live in Canberra and... Um, and they used to put on a series of sprint races in Canberra. So um, a friend of um, mine, his partner, 
had gotten into triathlon and and um, they needed someone to do a. They were just starting to do some adventure racing and needed someone in a team. So I sort of agreed to do it. And um, I've heard you talk about it before, and and I, it, that's how it was for me, I guess, in terms of you know I did the one race and and I was hooked from that point on. Um, yeah. So you know I think it is one of those things where you do it and. You either go, yeah, I don't need to do one of those ever again, <laughs> or you say, well, where's the next one? How can I sign up for it? So I was definitely, you know, in that sort of ladder camp where I was hooked. Um, I think we finished the first race in, you know, the winning team would have done it in sort of two and a half hours, and it probably took us five or six hours. So what we saw was that we needed to um, to learn to navigate, <laughs> and um, yeah. So, you know, I, I guess that got me into orienteering and row gaining as well. Um, and, yeah, you know, sort of within a year or two, we were doing much better in those races. And um, I did a few 12s and 24-hour and 48-hour races. And then, um, you know, eventually when I thought I was ready for it, um, stepped up to the to the expedition length races. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of really enjoy it. And um, I don't know how long I'll be able to do it for, but but it's um, good fun. Yeah. What was the biggest change going from like let's say like a twenty-four to an expedition race for you personally? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess you know the most obvious thing is is sleep and sleep strategy. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I I tend to be someone who doesn't sleep a lot. Um, I, I do okay on not much sleep, so yeah. so that's probably um, useful for me with expedition adventure racing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I'd say sleep, but also you know you're sort of keeping your body constantly moving for you know sort of days and days and nights on end, um, and you know making sure you're fueling it right and all of that sort of stuff is is you know you don't really know how you're going to be able to do it until you do it and um and you know i i remember my first race well um my first long race and um yeah i guess it was a bit like the ride in new zealand actually sort of you know i did what i thought was the right training but i still you know wasn't sure how it was going to go until i was sort of in the situation but um you know it sort of turned out well in the end so yeah yeah um Here's a little variation on my standard question, but what instead of instead of the best and worst six hours, I want to know what's your favorite leg of any race and what's the worst leg of a race you ever did. <laughs> that's a um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one um, because you know, like some some legs, you at the time you. Um, don't enjoy like the really tough epic ones but then down the track when you think back on it they sort of start drifting into your your favorite leg camp yeah um so yeah all right the the best leg i've done um i don't know there was um there was i mean obviously the the worst is a bit easier to to answer like it normally is with the six hour one (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think for the for the same reason as the worst six hours would be the worst leg for me. So my first my first race I did, um, I you know I trained really hard and and I was a bit. This is the first expedition race, and I was pretty um, 
you know, I was hoping it was all going to go all right. And obviously all my friends and family were watching me and on the tracker and that sort of thing. And um, it was in the, um, it was the 2013 XPD in the Flinders Ranges. And the first day had a really long trek, which was in this beautiful, but very, very hot, um, remote, dry area where we had to follow a, a, a gorge along for a long time. And um, I was navigating and pretty much all of us ran out of water. A lot of teams did on that leg. It was only a 38-kilometre trek, so you sort of didn't think you'd need all that much. But it yeah. turned out um, it was just a really hot day and you needed a lot of water. And uh, there were on the map there were some um, pools of water marked where you know people expected to refill, but when you got to them they were all completely dried up. Um, and then there was one sort of major pool of water on the map that actually had a name. It was something or other spring, I think. And, um, you know, a lot of teams, including my team, looked forward to getting to there where hopefully there was going to be some water we could fill up with. And when we got to this water hole, there was a bit of water, but it was this sort of this little small pool of water and it had a rotting kangaroo carcass in the middle of it. <laughs> um, so I filled up with that, but I was pretty reluctant to drink that water. <laughs> so I tried to make it through to the end of the leg, which I did, but I guess I was I was very dehydrated. And I mean, I'd been dehydrated before, so I don't think that was necessarily what I did wrong. But I think what I did wrong was when I got to the transition area, I drank a lot of water um, to fill up off of the bike leg. And then as soon as we headed out onto the bike, um, I started throwing up and I, I just couldn't ride my bike because every sort of couple of hundred meters I needed to throw up again. Um, yeah. So this was only the first night of the race and I spent about six or eight hours then. Um, we decided um, to just we needed to rest and let my body temp cool down and, and see if I could recover. So that was probably the the worst experience for me because it was the first night of my first expedition race and I thought, you know, I, I hadn't experienced that before and I um I was worried my race was already over. <laughs> and um yeah. but I managed to recover and we actually um the the sort of sleep we'd banked that first night while I recovered actually um made us quite strong for the rest of the race and we we finished pretty strongly. So that was probably the worst leg. The only other thing I'd mm -hmm. mix in with there was some of those really muddy legs in Ecuador, that was pretty um, yeah. pretty tough going. Hey everybody, legendary Randy Erickson here, jumping in with a quick word from Journey Racing. Their Nomad is an epic 48-hour race full of adventure. This race is ideal to get your feet wet in multi-day adventure racing. Just finishing this race will be a feat, and clearing the course will earn you the elite title of Nomad. Expect rugged mountain adventure in the wilds of Colorado. The Nomad will include gravel and single track mountain biking, bushwhacking, boulder scrambling, trekking, and navigation, and, on top of everything else, a hair-raising guided whitewater trip through the Royal Gorge. Pretty cool. Um, the Nomad will be the race of your life. Coming June uh, 10th through the 12th of this summer, 2016, with pre-race events beginning on the 9th. Check out our show notes for links to the race, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. I'm going to be um, there. Best leg. Um, usually I really enjoy, you know, that first race again, there was a leg where there was a just a beautiful mountain bike descent with stunning scenery around around the place. And, you know, it was the right time of day and the weather was good and the whole team was in good spirits. And I, I really remember 
that leg riding to Wolpina Pound where, um, you know, just all those those good factors um, were all there at the same time and and we were, we were just having such a great race at that point. And we, we managed to um, sort of arrive at Wolpina Pound at just a really good time and saw the sun setting out there and all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah that was probably the best leg. Okay, I'll accept those as correct answers. Um, so the the first night when you got so sick, I would guess it freaked you out a little bit because you hadn't experienced it. But does that bother you anymore, or do you know now that yeah, I'm 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 sick. I'm going to be sick for five hours, and then I'm going to feel better. Yeah, exactly. The the latter for sure. I mean, and, and I guess that's the thing. I'm you know I I'm still. Um, a baby in my adventure racing career, I guess, compared to a lot of people out there. And, um, yeah. and you know, but I mean, what I can see and, and, you know, racing people with like racing with people like Tor, you know, who's done so many races and, and Peter will be the same. Um, you know, I, I can see how important ex, uh, experience is in adventure racing. And, um, and certainly now, you know, I know, um, if I'm in that situation, I, you know, I think next time I'd actually, you know, just try to keep riding in between throwing up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas at the time I, I didn't know what was going on because, you know, I, I, yeah. And I didn't know if my race was going to end. I didn't know if I'd recover. Whereas now I, you know, I've been through that and I know what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd try and push on now. So definitely, um, you know, every time you experience something, whether it's whether it's good or bad, and I think particularly the bad stuff, you know, you then learn from that. And um, when you're in a similar situation, you you can reflect back and you go, oh yeah, I know what happens here, and this is what we need to do. Yeah, I think um, I actually had a friend of mine. What said? Ask people what what's something that um, you could tell a newbie. You know, somebody jumping up to an expedition. And I think it might be that mental thing that you're going to, you know, something bad's going to happen. You're going to get through it. So just don't worry about it. But I don't know if anybody would believe that until they go through it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to learn things the hard way, I think, don't you? <laughs> but uh-huh. um, yep. I guess I was, you know, and, and even my team, I mean, my teammates in that race, and I wasn't racing with Tor in that race, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two of my teammates had done a race i think one of them lee had done a maybe a couple of races and aaron i think had done one expedition race and claire um from strong teammate and it was her first race like me and you know so we were a very inexperienced team and so they were also sort of trying to work out you know at what point um you know they needed to make a call to to leave me behind because they didn't know if i was going to recover and there was a cutoff um you know, down the track. So we were very inexperienced to be starting to, you know, trying to work out, um, you know, how long you wait for the teammate to recover and, you know, that sort, those sort of tough calls you've got to make sometimes between um, staying the, the four people together as a team and, and, you know, pushing through if you're going to miss a cutoff or at what point you make a call. And, you know, I didn't want them to miss their cutoff, so I was sort of lying there sick throwing up wondering at what point i tell them to go on without me but you know i was i would have been pretty devastated if all the training i'd put in and all the expectations i'd put on myself for the race were all over within you know the first day and night of the race so i was pretty (laughs) glad i was able to um 
come good during the night and, and, you know, just sort of sipped on water and eventually recovered and woke them all up and said I was ready to get going. And um, as it turned out, you know, other teams, of course, had all pushed on through that first night through the next bike ride. And then the third leg of that race was a, a really long trek across a salt lake, like 50-kilometre mm-hmm. trek through a salt lake where there was no shade and it was a really hot day. So as it turned out, most teams after that salt lake were then at the next transition area um, with with sick and dehydrated team members anyway. So we managed to you know catch up to the race pretty quickly and um, yeah. we ended up finishing fourth in that race, which was pretty incredible given given you know the first night we'd spent sort of seven or eight hours camped at transition area one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I there's something to be said, I think. Um... You don't ever want uh, to be sick or somebody on your team to be sick. But if it slows you down that first night, it's not always a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think, yeah. you know, obviously you can't you can't go through that and expect to win the race. I think, you know, those teams that win races um, do need to push hard the whole, the whole race. And, um, yeah. you know, they can't afford to just have an eight-hour rest on the first night. No. <laughs> but, um you can do quite well still, um, as we experienced by, um, you know, by having that early setback and then, um, and then having a good race after that, because I mean, you know, everyone usually has some problems at some point during the race. It's just, um, for some teams, those problems are later on in the race. Yeah. That's just, you just got to deal with it. It's, it's just adventure racing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's what's your favorite what's your favorite part of adventure racing? You know, bike, track, navigation, canoeing, swimming in the ocean. <laughs> Definitely not the swimming in the ocean. Okay. <laughs> um I think um probably the yeah, I don't know, probably the trekking. Um mm-hmm. in our team I I do a bit of the navigating on on the trekking. Um you know, toward um, has been doing a fair bit of the trek nav lately, but often like you know i'll I'll help her with some bits or take the maps when she's tired um, so I guess i I do enjoy the trekking and I enjoy doing a bit of navigating um, but I also try to I, I do enjoy the bike legs a lot as well and I guess I try to be fit on the bike and and train really well on the bike and i never I never navigate on the bike and I quite enjoy being able to get through a track, particularly if I've been navigating and then get on the bike and not have to navigate anymore and just be able to sort of, you know, enjoy the ride and um, maybe do a bit of towing or whatever if, if I'm needed to. But, um, but yeah, I, so I haven't really answered your question straight. I think it's, it's the, it's the trekking and the navigating, the paddling's not my favorite leg, I guess, but, um, but you know, the paddling can be fun as well. Yeah. Well, so you're sort of like me. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares about the water? Let's stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. I mean, you know, I I enjoy kayaking, but you know, when you're doing like a sixty kilometer ocean paddle in a in a double plastic sit on top boat, <laughs> where you you know the top speeds maybe seven kilometers an hour or whatever, um, yeah. you know, time can go pretty slowly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, oh, I, I thing I forgot to ask is. Did you have an athletic background? Um, 
not in terms of um, you know adventure racing related sports. Yeah. So I guess I, I grew up playing soccer, um, mm-hmm. and actually, um, you know, I played soccer sort of yeah right up till um, till adulthood, um, and then I I kept playing indoor soccer, and I guess I got into um, adventure racing. You know, I, I did a bit of running as as training um, for soccer. But um, I guess I wasn't I wasn't what I'd call an athlete. Um, I ended up rupturing my um, my ACL in my right knee playing soccer about maybe I don't know uh, probably about the time I got into adventure racing actually, <laughs> and um, that was the last game of soccer I ever played when because I, I had to have a knee reconstruction, and um, I kind of decided from that point I'd just gotten into. Um, cycling and, and running a bit more with adventure racing at that point and you know that sort of made me make my decision that I didn't want to do sports anymore like soccer that involved sudden sideways shifting and I just wanted to stick with um, endurance sports where I can just go you know in a straight line <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see that um, so you got a good good scar on your knee Actually, it's it's um, it's not that impressive a scar. No. <laughs> the, um, I think I needed to find a worse orthopedic surgeon because he did a really good job and and quite a neat job, and you can barely see the scar on my knee. <laughs> oh, well, so unfortunately, no, I don't have a good scar to go impressing people with. Yeah, yeah I have I have about an eight inch one on mine. So, it, yeah, no. if you're gonna have that, might as well have the uh, the badge of honor, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, I think um, uh, I think knee reconstructions have come a long way. Sort of, you know, everyone who had yeah. one, sort of, uh, uh, you know, maybe in the ten years before I did, seemed to have these really impressive scars. And by the time I had mine, they'd sort of gotten, I think, a bit more advanced with sort of keyhole surgery. And um, you know, it's amazing how they can how they can do an operation like that with you know just these tiny little, barely recognizable holes. Yeah. So. Um. So you're going to go to do Expedition Africa. What else do you have on the schedule for this year? So it's a good year to be an Australian, really. The um, yeah. Obviously, the world champs are at the end of the year, and we've got our entry in for that. So um, we'll really be looking forward to that. That's about um, the New South Wales south coast, the Shoalhaven, where they are. That's only about a two-hour drive from Canberra. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, a lot of Canberrans, including myself, um, have already spent a fair bit of time in that area because it's it's such a great area to train and um and you know there's some amazing hiking out there um it's going to be an excellent race and um so and it's a bit the climate there because it's at the coast it's a bit warmer than Canberra is particularly in the winter so I tend to get out um in that area and train um when it's winter time especially here when I'm training for a race so yeah so the world champs in November and the other thing in Australia, um, the World Rogaining Championships are actually um, in late July here in Australia, over in the uh, yeah. Northern Territory near Ayers Rock. So um, Aaron and I will be heading over for the Rogaining Championships in July. So, yeah, Africa in May and then the Rogaining Championships in July and then XPD Adventure Racing World Champs in November. I think most people that listen to the podcast understand this, but... How nice is it to be able to go to a world championship two hours away? It's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> like, you know, I've been joking, you know, if I forget 
an important piece of equipment or something, I can just drive home and get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, you know, so as opposed to you know going somewhere like Ecuador and the logistics involved in that, um, yeah, it's going to be incredible to be able to just drive two hours to the Adventure Racing World Championships. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really looking forward to you know the theoretically from from Rev Three that you know. Cowboy Tough is going to be the 17 World Championships, and that's a three and a half hour drive for me. So it's like, yeah, and, and yeah. they speak English. We understand what's going on. And it's like, man, I just want to, I want it to be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think it's going to be a good race, and certainly the um, the English aspect of it will be good because um, yep. um, I've only done the one world champs in, in Ecuador and certainly, you know, that showed me the uh, easier it is for teams that can, you know, that can speak to people they come across and, and you know, speak the language. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it should be a great race. So, although, you know, the one thing I we found in Ecuador is the media is sometimes it didn't matter because you, you might be in a village and ask them where, you know, this village is and they've never heard of it you know and it's like 50k <laughs> away so yeah. Um, yeah sometimes maybe it's not that that big of a deal but um yeah, yeah without yeah. the travel yeah. and it's great so there's um, a lot of um obviously there's a lot of speculation amongst the Canberra teams about where the course is going to go out there yeah um and uh yeah i think it's going to be a um i think it'll be a really good race i think it'll be a um you know, a quicker race than obviously Brazil and, and some of the more challenging ones the last few years mm -hmm. have been. I think um, Craig will put on a good race. Yeah. Well, I think my guess is it will be closer to a race than an adventure this year. Yep. If you yep. Know, I agree. I think, yeah. So, which would be very I, interesting. So, I think Craig's, Craig's good at putting on, I mean, one good thing about XPD. Um, and I've done the last couple of them, um, is that, um, you know, fast teams generally can go fast on the course, but, mm -hmm. but, you know, like the slower teams also, um, are able to progress through, through the event. And, you know, Craig tends to not, um, he tries to avoid having, um, really tight, difficult to make cutoffs. So, um, yeah. So, you know, everyone that um, that participates in it tends to have every opportunity to achieve whatever their goals are in the race. So yeah. um, I think, you know, I think the, the the world's best teams in this world champs will will fly through the course and um, enjoy being able to, yeah, really sort of um, race hard against each other. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Um, so, you know, since you guys, you talk about, you're kind of trying to figure out where the course would be. Can you use your local knowledge and kind of do you, do you have a sense of what it will be, or is it is it not? Yeah, it's always it's always hard because um, you know I mean you obviously start speculating about where it will be, and I think um, mm -hmm. you know there's definitely some areas out there that um, I will have been to before, but I'm really looking yeah. forward to. Um, you know, coming across a whole bunch of other areas out there that I've never been to before. Um, yeah. The so the um, there's a there's a large um, wilderness area out there just to the west of where the headquarters um, 
will be there's a large wilderness area called the Butterwangs, um, mm-hmm. and they're they're sort of a stunning area of national park. Um, they're a bit like so. There's an area called the Blue Mountains, which is west of Sydney and has um, these sort of famous rock formations there called the Three Sisters. So they're very popular, and the Butterwangs are a little bit like that, but a lot less well known. So. You know, bushwalkers know about the area, but um, it doesn't get a lot of sort of just ordinary tourists that would go to somewhere like the Blue Mountains. Um, so it, it'll definitely, I would say, go through that sort of area. And, and teams will really enjoy that because it really does feel quite remote. And there's these sort of um, huge... Um, you know, sandstone and other rock formations with incredible views and they just sort of stick out um, from the bush. So I think it'll be there. I think there'll definitely be some trekking through there. And then to the south of that area, there's a couple of state forests with a lot of um, a lot of gravel roads through them that's quite nice for uh, mountain biking. So I, I think yeah. there'll probably be some biking through there. And then there's a couple of rivers out there. Um, there's one called the Clyde. Um, which sort of goes from from pretty much the Butterwangs um, out to the ocean. I reckon there'll be a river paddle on that. And then there's another river called the Shoalhaven, which um, I haven't paddled on, but I know it's it's got a bit of white water on it at spots. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't use some of that as well. But I guess the thing is, you know, with a with a 500 kilometre course, you can do all this speculating, but you yeah. know, it really, um, five if you go 500 kilometres from from the um from the headquarters you know you're a long way away whatever direction you go yeah well you know what and even if you know where you're going you still got to get there <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> um but it's a it's a it's a beautiful part of the world it's um that whole south coast there um you know i want to retire to one day it's um it's just it's it's a lot less developed than the coastline to the north of sydney um there's a lot less people down down on the south coast so um it tends to be um yeah a lot more pristine and and just the scenery is amazing sounds like a, a good a good place for a world championship yeah i think so um I think it'll be I think it'll be really good. It was funny because at, at XPD last year I was um trying to tell Craig that he should run the next XPD on the New South Wales South Coast and um as it turned out you know I didn't realize he was he was a long way down the planning of of you know organizing that I would imagine and yeah. I wasn't telling him anything he hadn't considered or or already been working out. Yeah. Well, it just shows how smart you are. <laughs> So, I'd like to say um, I'm, okay. I'm smart and convincing, but I think he had the idea before I suggested it to him. Yeah. All right. Um, two more things then. And one is our, uh, our packing question. So are you always packing the night before you leave? <laughs> um, generally, yes. And I know that's the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, with, um, when I went to Ecuador, I think actually I finished packing two nights before I left. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I tend to pack the way a lot of people do where for the sort of month leading up to it, I'll just, um, as I think of bits and pieces I need, I'll just bare bedroom and, um, and you know, at some point then in the week before I'm leaving, I'll, I'll start actually packing things into a bag and trying to work out what else I've forgotten. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, uh, 
I've got a whole floor full of camera gear, like all the little pieces, mounts and stuff like that, ready to go. But um, yeah, I think tonight we'll, because I leave Sunday for God's own. So I think tonight yeah, I better right. maybe, maybe start thinking about it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Then there's just one more thing, and this one's just for me. So when you're at Expedition Africa, just like once a day, just walk up to Craig and just just whisper in his ear that say, and just tell him, you know, Randy really should be at the World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can do that for you. I um, yeah. I think it'll yeah, it'll be great if you can make it over. It'll be a um, a good race, and it'll be good to see you again. I would. Yeah, I want to be there. Um, it, things are starting to click a little bit, so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that I'll be there. So, um, hopefully, it, and yeah. Paulette and I just Paulette and I decided that if I do come to it, then she's going to come after the race, and we're going to sponge off all the um, Australians we knew know and spend a couple more weeks there. So, <laughs> yeah, no, so, that sounds you, like a good idea, and it's a long way to you, come to. Um, to not do that i guess so um yeah yeah let, let me know if you are and i can certainly um you know give you some tips on on some places to visit and obviously if you want to come to canberra you're, you're welcome to stay here all right that means it that means craig <laughs> you heard that so let's get this make this happen so well thanks i this it's uh I figured we'd end up talking more about adventure racing than the tour but it's uh that's pretty cool that's uh that you yeah, did it's that. Been a, and no, I'm glad you did. So we had a had an excuse to talk. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to catch up with you again. Um, I yeah, I, I sort of spoke to you a bit in Ecuador, but it's been a while since then. So yeah, yep. So we'll be there. So all right, um, I better go back to work. I suppose you got to go to work today too, huh? No, it's actually uh, it's Good Friday here for Easter, oh. so we have a uh, four day weekend now. So. Um, oh. My partner Kath and I are actually um, we're heading up to the Blue Mountains, which I mentioned before, and um, we're going to yeah. do some running and hiking up there for the weekend. Sounds fun. So, all right, everybody. Then it means everybody else has to go out, go fast, take chances, and have fun, right? <laughs> That's right. All right. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for Randy. the chat. Thank you. All right. All right. See ya. Bye.
dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right, sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside, frightened of this thing that I've become.